This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'd start with a question probably be more of a rhetorical question because really I'll answer the question for both of you off the top of Cardinals underground. Here we go. So you you really don't need us. Is that what you're saying? Not right now. Okay. Eventually when I run out of things to say, absolutely. And that's coming real soon. T minus 11 seconds or so after I point out that maybe just maybe on paper, uh, we can say, Hey, it'd be great to pick up where the chiefs and bills left off by scoring 31 points after the two-minute warning. Is that realistic here on Cardinals Underground that we can accomplish that? No. Everybody now, no. So you know what? The pressure <laughs> the pressure is off us here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Now we can just podcast. Pauly Podcast slash Pencil Neck, Darren Urban, and Danny Sarek. Sounds well, like uh, we're continuing off the funeral already from the last <laughs> podcast ball. No, I'm just saying the bar was raised to an impossible height. Got it. Okay. Got Especially it. as a fine diminutive American over here. There's no way. So, you know what? The pressure's off. You're never going to match what we just saw in those four games, all decided on the final play of every playoff game. Never before has there been a weekend of playoff football. Like, probably never again. And certainly it's not. I don't think going to happen over the next 60 minutes here on Cardinals Underground. So once again, the pressure is off. Just play your game. You're not even the shortest guy on this podcast. Huh? <laughs> shortest person. Yeah, that's uh, no offense, Danny. Yeah, none taken. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody was more overjoyed at the measurements of Danny Sarek <laughs> upon hiring uh, based on the combine than yours truly. So uh, you know, the, with that, you know what? It's all gravy after that. Or country gravy, as they just served at lunch. So either way, uh, you know, just come on. I mean, every game decided on the final play. Four games decided by a total of 15 points. Think about the drama inherently right there. Every single game ends on the final play. Mm. I mean, so. that's that's what uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell draws up there, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, he does. Not that it's rigged yeah. or anything. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying it worked out perfectly. Yeah. By the way, do you guys know, here's a trivia question. Danny, since you're all over social media. Okay, here we go. 18 to 34 demo question. I'm profiling your age demo with this question. Here we go. The most retweeted tweet of the NFL weekend was... Do you know what? Do you know what the metrics like, were? Like, are you asking Which, who tweeted it? What was it about? I, I will say it was a team account. One of the victorious teams had a tweet, and it oh, was I think the I it most retweeted effort of the entire uh, weekend. I don't know. I'll spare you. Okay. It was the one that read in caps with an exclamation point at the end. That's a small victory for me, just the use of the exclamation point, because Darren true. and I have a longstanding argument over how useful that piece of punctuation is. Also true. It was all caps, and it screamed, that's why you draft a kicker. 
Oh. And it was the Bengals, Bengals team account. There wasn't even a picture. There wasn't video. It was just simply, that's why you drafted kicker, exclamation point. Boom, right I, on. I think I saw it today, like, he already has a rookie, like, leads the franchise in most 50-plus yard field goals made in a season or something crazy like that. Sometimes you're the Bengals and sometimes you're the Buccaneers. <laughs> so. <Right. laughs> Uh, you know what? You're right, Danny. It says right here in this. I, I, I don't have this knowledge. It just says it right here. That was Evan McPherson's 11th field goal of 50-plus yards on the season, the most ever in any single season by any single kicker. Did you see the Joe Burrow uh, interview where he was talking about his kicker right before that? A little bit of that. Where and he I- said he goes went up to him and – and he kind of like imitated Evan McPherson right before on the sideline. He goes, well, I guess we're going to the AFC championship before the <laughs> kick. And I saw a video before it went in. He turned to his holder and was like celebrating yeah. like before it actually. I'm like, oh, my eyes well, in his veins. Right I mean, because I saw the postgame on field interview with Joe Burrow where he told uh, the network sideline reporter that he knew the moment he ran into Evan McPherson in the building, just the way the kicker carried himself. In the building. Which, if you're Joe Burrow, that's saying a lot, considering how he carries himself. <laughs> it is. I mean, uh, by the way, here's another little bit of trivia I found intriguing. Can you name the AFC Pro Bowl quarterbacks? The AFC mm. Pro Bowl I'm assuming Mahomes quarterbacks. is one. Mahomes well, is one. Uh, assuming but there are at t- this point, you mean. There are two others um that you may not expect based on what we saw in the postseason especially this last weekend joe burrow is not a pro bowl quarterback josh allen is not really a pro bowl quarterback i looked at it i just and and it's justin herbert lamar jackson Mm. and patrick mahomes but see i i i get that because of the way voting goes and the way i mean lamar jackson is incredibly well respected and liked by players and the fans love him. Sure. And so even if he missed a bunch of time this year, I could see how he got in and, and Justin Herbert had a great year. He did. He did. But after watching those playoff masterpieces, playoffs don't count, Paul, I, I get it. But I mean, among the other rules changes, perhaps we should wait to the very end of the year. And, and some of by the way, are we going to get into the overtime rule change debate on this thing? Because, uh, you know, there are two things I'm really not interested in discussing here on Cardinals Underground. One would be the omission of Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. We're not getting into that right now on the steroids era and how I'm the okay commissioner, Bud Selig, got in right away when he oversaw all the steroid abuse and could have done something about it, did nothing. He's already in to the Hall of Fame. We're yeah, not talking about that. You're a Bay Area guy, so you, like, feel strongly about that. And let's face it, I don't really care. How about the overtime rules, though? Do you care about that, and should they change? Darren, I think I know based on a tweet yeah, well, you yeah, sent I out. sent about five tweets, yes, so we'll yes. let Danny go first. Okay. I – this might sound like a lame answer. I understand why people want the rule changed, especially, I think, after the games we saw and the quarterbacks that we saw not getting a chance to touch the ball. And you want to see great football. You want to see both teams get a chance. But at the same time, football is a complementary sport. Right. So it's are we saying if you want both teams to get a chance to score that, are we putting more of an emphasis on the offense? And that's how you deserve to win. I think don't look at me because I know that you feel the same way, Darren. Your defense still has to perform. And so that's why I am okay with the overtime rules as they are, is because if you want a chance, your defense has to step up. And that's complimentary football. I mean, for me, I, I say two things. One, uh, I got tweeted. I, I had said. They don't need to change the rules. Somebody said 
but it was decide the game was ended up being decided on a coin toss. I'm like, no, it was decided on a 75 yard touchdown drive. It wasn't decided on a coin toss. I mean, the Bills coach is a defensive coach. Their defensive coordinator is up for multiple head coaching jobs. So you're going to tell me Sean McDermott and and Leslie Frazier before overtime are going to be like, yeah, our defense sucks. We're definitely giving up a touchdown, so we should get. I mean, I just don't stop them. I understand that the coin flip obviously impacted things, but it's 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 one of those things where it's like if you go back on a game that doesn't go to overtime and you're like, oh, if we just would have caught that one pass in the second quarter, uh, we would have won the game. Yeah, but you didn't. I mean, or the, if they hadn't thrown that flag on, on third down, we would have. Yeah, but they did. I mean, that's all part of the game. If you're the Bills, first of all, do not give up a field goal with 13 seconds left. That's number one. How about the other times? A couple times you had fourth and two, and you didn't go for it. You punted. If you're so, if you believe so much that you can't stop the other team, why are you punting ever? Yep. Well, look. Yeah, I feel strongly. So we that. agree. I, I I apply the same uh, thought process to whenever a fan says, "Get rid of this player. Get rid of this coach." Okay, who's your replacement? Who's the upgrade? Yeah. Who's gonna? So with that in mind. Because I haven't heard I – mean, I certainly am not in favor of the college system nope. for the NFL. I, I don't want any sort of shootout-style format. However, somebody tweeted this out, that if you go back through the competition committee proposals from a few years back, there was a Chiefs OT 2019. proposal. No, and, and here it is. There's no coin toss in overtime. They toss the coin before the game. It's the OT coin toss. It's determined before the game even begins. So now it impacts your fourth quarter strategy. And I thought that's one of the few proposals I, I could, have heard. I could kind of get into that. That's intriguing and merits more examination. So there's two to pregame me. tosses? Correct. And so, for example, if you were Buffalo or Kansas City in that case, you know, oh boy. We don't get the ball to start overtime. Um, we're going to plan accordingly with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And, I, I like that. I think that's a really great idea. That's and, the first time I've heard that. Of course, the the owners had no desire to change any of the rules, I noticed. The Chiefs have at one point said, you know, both teams should get the ball. But, but again, when you start talking about that, it's like – if we're going to sit here and go down this road that the defenses at this point are so gassed and have no chance that they're going to give up touchdowns every time, then when exactly does overtime end? Because you you can't say, well, then yeah. the Bills get it once to at least try and tie it, and then what? The Chiefs get it back, and if okay. they score again, it's yeah. over? You're <laughs> having the same problem. They didn't get the ball the same number yeah. of times. Here's the other proposal that I think merits some consideration and it's 1A for me, is you play a full 10 minutes. You just play the full 10 minutes of overtime. Doesn't It's just another 10 minutes. You play it out just like you play out the fourth quarter. And if it's tied after that? Good point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden it's hockey, and you get a seven-overtime game. And how can, you, how can you do that in football? You can't, especially it, with seven days later. You're right. supposed to be playing a championship right. and maybe you're Maybe you're playing six days later. It's fine right so. now. Again, all the Bills had to do is make Patrick Mahomes have one of two passes go incomplete and the game's over. Or they could have squibbed it and burned a couple seconds or whatever. And, and, and they had their chances, and they screwed them up. So, look, here's my segue into the Cardinals. Um, did the Cardinals feel some acute pain 
after their playoff loss. Everybody now, yes, heck yes. But every team that loses in the playoffs experiences that feeling of pain and nausea. It just comes in how. If you're the Bills, for example, that's your ninth straight playoff defeat on the road. Think about that, right? That goes back to their win in the 92 AFC Championship game on the road. The Buffalo Bills have not won a road playoff game since 92. So there's some serious pain if you're Bills Mafia right there. The Titans' loss, here's the inverse. The Titans' loss to Cincinnati was their third straight defeat on their own field as the AFC's number one seed. Think about that, (laughs) right? Think of the angst. It was just voiced by Danny I feel like Danny, Dan- Danny is just yes. starting to realize that that yeah. happened. You know what that was? That was Danny Sarek's dramatic reenactment of a Titans fan when I mentioned how, <laughs> how they have lost three straight on their own field as the AFC's number one seed. But wait, that. there's more. <laughs> Even Aaron Rodgers is now 0-4 against the team that did not draft him in the playoffs. So obviously they made the right decision. Aaron Rodgers has the dubious distinction of becoming the first quarterback ever to lose to the same team four times in the playoffs. He happens to be 0-4 against the team that passed him up for the number one overall pick, his hometown team that he still wants to play for, I believe, and he's now 0-4. So even if you're stinking Aaron Rodgers at the top of your game in an NFL MVP, every time you lose in the playoffs, it hurts bad. And so I guess – in a roundabout way, I don't know if that makes anybody uh, in the Red Sea feel any better. I'm just saying that whenever it comes to an end, it's usually grisly and it's usually painful in its own way. I mean, does does it make it better or worse if you're talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers who have made the playoffs a little more consistently than the current right first time in six sure. years for Arizona? Yep. Does that make it better if you're an Aaron Rodgers fan and you know he's lost the same team four times, but you've made it to the playoffs I don't know I don't know the answer to that I'm gonna say absolutely not I mean if you're the Cardinals fans I understand why you'd be upset and it's a different situation but that's two years in a row Packers fans thought that they would get farther than they did and that's two years in a row they've lost their Mm -hmm. first playoff game I can't remember if the Packers had a play in the first round last year but I mean you you thought you were going to beat the Bucks last year you definitely thought you were going to beat the 49ers this year I mean the first thing I thought of this weekend with the Packers and the Titans was going back. This is before Danny's time here, but, but Paul, in the 2015 playoffs, that game against the Packers in the divisional round, the Cardinals had a bye because in those days the number one and number two seeds had byes. And so the Cardinals had been off, and then and they had just beat the snot out of the Packers in that stadium a few weeks before. And they couldn't get any separation and ended up going to overtime on the Hail Mary and all that stuff. And it was I, a Pat P pick six. It got called yep. back hands to the face, frosty Rucker. We all remember that. And, and it's, you just keep thinking to yourself, Oh man, if they lose this first playoff game after the great season they had, or even going back to 2008, when the Cardinals went into Carolina, who had had the bye and had a great season yeah. and they melted down when you have a great season and you lose that first playoff game, like the Titans, and the Packers did. And I, the Titans was a little bit different. They were injured all year. It was kind of weird how they ended up with the number one seed. There was no great team in the AFC during the regular season. The Packers and the Chiefs had their – or the, the Chiefs and the Bills had their problems. Um, but still, when you're the number one seed, you're absolutely counting on at least one playoff victory. 
So I, I think that's just a, a major gut punch. And with the Packers, of course, not knowing exactly what's going to happen, not only with Aaron Rodgers, but, I mean, that team uh, is $40 million over the salary cap. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. So, and, that's, and that's the thing is that the, the only other team that has more money over the salary cap going in next year is the Saints, which I truly believe is a big reason why Sean Payton said peace <laughs> He's out. He's sure. dipping out. Because sure. the cap, the quarterback you got situation. no chance. Yeah. And if you're the Packers, that's one of the reasons why people think it's possible Aaron Rodgers might want to take off is because he's not going to have anybody around him. All right, this is me pulling the ripcord, and I'm out of here. Yeah, I, I can see so, that. You, mean, you know, that's that's why it makes yep. that even more uh, painful for Pat. I mean, if you lose Aaron Rodgers and lose that the way you did in the playoffs, that's going to be ugh. I mean, think of the pain of Bengals fans. They snapped a 31-year playoff drought. Right? Think their first playoff Wait, win. Wait, how are they having pain? In they won. Thir- right? So, I mean, think of everything they've been through for three-plus oh, decades. That's their first road playoff win in team history. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute. So I'm just saying there's angst a la mode wherever you look, if, if, if you really choose to. And then, of course, if you're the Cardinals, maybe it really does get worse when you see an all-NFC West NFC championship game. When you see here's, – here's a great one. The 49ers have scored touchdowns. On two of 20 possessions in the playoffs. <laughs> what? Whereas the Bills, the Bills scored touchdowns on 12 of 16 possessions in two playoff games where Josh Allen was on the field. 12 out of 16. And the Niners somehow have won two playoff games after scoring on two of 20 possessions in the playoffs. So you can go ahead and you can crown Kyle Shanahan and all that, okay? And, yes, he led the league and shift in motion rate for the sixth straight year, and I get all that stuff. Uh, the Niners have been winning with defense, uh, special teams, obviously, the block punt for the touchdown. And now, uh, Darren, the Cardinals look at an NFC best championship game, and they look at two teams they won three out of four from in the regular season. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, I can't feel real good. No. I, I I almost would play devil's advocate on that of do you feel maybe you're a little closer than you thought to being the best in the division if this is what the if you know if these two teams are facing each other and you went through well, four and I mean doesn't that give you a little bit of okay like we clearly held our own against them I I will say this I I a huge props to Kyle Shanahan and their defense has been very good but the Rams are a different story, but our old friend Kyle Odegaard tweeted out this week about he thought that there was a, a big talent gulf between the Cardinals and the other NFC West teams that are still in it. And I I don't know if I agree with that. And going back to what you said, I, I think there's a certain luck factor. I feel like the 49ers I feel like the 49ers ended up matching up perfectly. It feels a little bit like the two thousand eight Cardinals run. I mean, uh, no offense to your former team, Danny, but I felt like there, it was it was the three division winners and then the Cowboys in terms of the division winners. So I feel like the 49ers got the perfect first-round opponent. And then I feel like the Packers did a lot to not – I mean, the Packers went down and scored a touchdown on that first drive. What what happened to their offense? What, what was going on there? And like you said, because the 49ers couldn't do anything offensively, it was right there for the taking. And the Packers couldn't take advantage. They get in the end zone one more time, they win that game. So, um, 
I, I don't I feel like there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors to how the 49ers have got here. Um, and on top of everything, I would normally say I think it ends this weekend, but they get another good matchup because this is another team they just match up well with. And Shanahan has McVay's number, so they may fi- find themselves in the Super Bowl in a situation where they're not very good, at least not good enough in my mind. Okay, but then even still, I mean, don't you think the Cardinals, I mean, you want to say the luck for the 49ers, maybe just obviously we know how the Cardinals season right. ended, but I think I would take this as Cardinals are maybe closer than we all thought about being the best in the division, not just from what we saw during the regular season, yeah. but but these teams facing each other and it's quite clear best division in the league. So hopefully well, iron see, sharpens yeah. iron. See, for, for me, though, the way I look at it is this. Every season is is unto itself. And you can say in the grand pecking order, if you want to do a power rankings when it's over, that maybe you're a little higher than maybe you would thought of because of these guys teams are in here. But the bottom line is Cardinals are long out, and these teams are still in it, and it won't matter. And by the time we get to next year, everything gets jumbled up again anyways. Problem is, to me, you didn't think you were on par with the Niners and Rams. You knew you were on par and better than the Niners and Rams when you were 10-2. and two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you had already swept the 49ers, you already beat down the Rams in week four. So it was the gr- regression from 10-2 and two to the playoff loss that, that does make you wonder. In terms of the playoff, I did not see that. In terms of the talent gap, oh, the tweet in the game? opinion, yeah. you know, I mean, off the top of my head, uh, I mean, there are certain players that the other two teams don't have. They don't have uh, dynamic safeties like the Cardinals do. They, you know, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins to me is every bit the same receiver as a Cooper Cup when healthy. You know, Cooper Cup might get a ridiculous amount of targets, and it might be a totally different system feeding him, obviously. But uh, I, I don't see it as a huge gap. There are obviously marquee players on both teams: Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and and Cooper Cup, and then Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and yeah, you, you can go, and then you could take Debo Samuel. Obviously, every team sort of has their big three. Now, does anybody have more roster questions than the Arizona Cardinals yeah. in the division going into this offseason? That might be the debate. Well, which roster is going to be is going to change over from one season to the, yes. to the next? And for the 49ers, if they're going to be changing quarterbacks, which most everybody expects, they didn't go ahead and trade away three first-round picks for Trey Lance to have him sit like a Jordan Love. The thing that the 49ers have is that, okay, you may be talking about their quarterback, but it's not like you'd be losing an Aaron Rodgers to put Trey Lance in there. It's Jimmy Garoppolo, who's done fine. Not great, but fine. But because you're putting a rookie quarterback in there, they actually have more flexibility cap-wise for the rest of that roster. The problem with what the Rams are facing, what the Cardinals are about to face with Kyler Murray, uh, with what the Seahawks have with Russell Wilson, is you have this quarterback top-heavy salary cap situation, and the Rams have it even worse because of Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and Cooper Cup's going to have to get paid pretty soon too. I mean, at some point you're going to start – leaking oil on your depth i would think can i say something by the way this may you can be, say whatever you want it's a podcast this, paul this, you're allowed to talk t- okay tell me tell me if this is this is accurate or not um when i see this whole narrative about rookie contracts mm-hmm. are also very important and almighty to building a championship caliber team mm-hmm. if you look at the eight teams that were just in the divisional round mm-hmm. how many teams had a quarterback on a rookie contract i count one Okay. I count Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. I count every other team, seven out of the eight, has a quarterback on a massive contract. Okay. Uh, 
In Brady fact, Brady's contract is actually paying him less than it should. So, but it's still in the mid twenties, right? Isn't he getting twenty plus? Yeah, Tom but, Brady, he's not getting New England money anymore. But twenty five, I mean, the top quarterbacks are getting over forty right now, Paul. That's a huge difference. Well, that's, that's one quarterback. One quarterback's getting over forty. All the other ones are like Dak, low to mid thirties, right? Low to mid thirties. And I'm not even hundred percent sure hmm. Mahomes' contract. The big part is kicked in yet. Okay. And I'm pretty sure Josh Allen's big part hasn't quite kicked in yet. They signed them, but the way they were structured, it bought them another year or two. I'd have to look at that, but I'd I'd be willing to argue that. Uh, well, who else are we talk about? Tannehill well, doesn't have a giant one because uh, he's Tannehill. You know, Stafford is on a big contract. Stafford Stafford's got one. Yeah, Jimmy G is making low twenties. But on see that again, deal. you're you think that's it is big for us. Danny, I'm sure, would love to make $25 million. Don't put words in my mouth. Okay, of course. <laughs> Tim, you're paying too much. No, but, but, Darren, I, I'm not saying the extreme extreme, $35, $40 million. I'm saying from rookie to highly paid. That, that's something. There's one rookie contract uh, okay. out of those But eight. are we that's just looking this year or, like, the last okay, couple, I, right? I see, because what, I see what you're you saying. See what I'm saying? But, in fact, here's Andrew Brandt, okay, former executive with the Packers. Yeah. And sports business guy has his own sports business master's course, yep. like at Villanova. And uh, quote, it's a cop out. Talking about this rookie contract thing, it's a cop out. You have a two hundred million dollar payroll plus thirty million goes to your quarterback. You still have one hundred seventy million for the rest of your team, half of which are on rookie contracts. It's a cop out. That's Andrew Brandon and the idea that a large quarterback contract hinders your team. And it makes it a fatal flaw for you to compete. And based on what we just saw in the divisional round, that's not true. I, I, what I see are good teams making good decisions on personnel and building a team in a smart way. And you could argue that the Cowboys have as much talent as anyone in the NFL. And it was coaching ineptitude and other incompetence that – Cost the Cowboys, and, and that may be true. But the argument about the rookie quarterback or rookie contracts, rookie quarterback contracts, is that it's like with anything else. I'm. It's not impossible to do it. Obviously, I'm not arguing it's a, it's an advantage. I'm just saying yes. it's not an absolute. It's not no. just like it, it's so much an absolute. Too much is made of it. I guess is what I'm saying as a path to victory and 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 success. When look at the last eight teams. Every one of them except one has a non-rookie quarterback on a fairly large contract. That's all I'm saying. That's just my one little uh, rant about a, that one narrative. I, I don't know if I buy into it yeah. as much, but we'll see. I, I guess I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, we also don't know who's at the end. In terms of who's well, at the end I of mean, their contract? No, who's at the end of the playoffs. Oh, you're right. We'll see who's standing. Absolutely. I mean, and look, the NFC – we mentioned some of the names can look very different next year. The Niners can look very different with Trey Lance. The Cardinals were the one team that got the Trey Lance experience for four quarters this year, and it took everything they had, including a goal line stop by Isaiah Simmons and Tanner Vallejo to stop Trey Lance at the pylon, right? Otherwise, Niners tie up that game. Uh, you know, Tom Brady, is he going to stay in Tampa? Obviously, you know, you have other – Sean Payton is leaving the Saints. They were competitive to the final weekend. So there's a lot of other, you know, uh, issues. You know, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So the landscape, Danny, in the NFC couldn't, can look quite different next year. Yeah, okay. and I, but I think that's also what makes it so exciting is, right, of 
teams that are so great one year, it doesn't guarantee, even if you have a lot of the same players, are going to be as dominant. I mean, look at the Bucks brought back every single starter. It's yep. just it's the way it plays out. I think it's exciting to see that. I think the Rams are really interesting to me. 49ers is, well, honestly, this whole division, right? What's what's Russell Wilson in Seattle going to do? And then 49ers, Jimmy Russell G. Russell Wilson's but, not going anywhere. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they no. get rid of him? I, I don't know. If get, I mean, does he want to stay? As, it doesn't yeah. matter. He's not a free agent. And he has a no trade clause. I get it. But but if he's going to be a problem behind the scenes, that's the only scenario, Darren. I'm with there you. There is I'm no quarterback in world history that was more of a pain in the ass behind the scenes than Aaron Rodgers last offseason. Guess what? It's probably true. He's still there, <laughs> and he's still going to be there. By the way, to put a bow on this cap stuff, because uh, Paul insists that these super-paid quarterbacks, um, uh, Patrick Mahomes' cap number this year, a little over $7 million. Uh, this year's Josh Allen cap number a little over ten, and he only goes up to sixteen next year. Hmm. Patrick Mahomes jumps significantly next year, but again, there's a reason why they got there is because they have tiny cap numbers. They've they've screwed around with the now Josh Allen. He goes from ten to sixteen to thirty nine, forty one, fifty one, forty six, forty, forty one. Wow! So you're going to tell me that that's not going to have a significant impact on how they roster build, whether that's a cop out or not. It absolutely makes a difference. Uh, you had uh, you go. Patrick Mahomes goes from seven and a half cap number this year, thirty five million next year, and forty six, forty four, forty six, forty. Like next year, are the Chiefs still going to have Tyron Matthew? Are they still going to be able to afford Chris Jones? Chris Jones. I mean, this is this is what we talk about when we talk about rookie contracts. Obviously, Mahomes is already signed an extension but when they sign an extension they build in some of that stuff so and you could do the same with with kyler but when kyler murray's cap number gets to 40 million dollars that's going to be a big difference on this roster than when it's been sitting here at 12 or 15 uh, and do you expect any action on the kyler murray contract extension front this offseason i mean if you're asking my opinion i don't know anything this is this is my own speculation um, but I, I think at this point, uh, frankly, it's going to be tough. I would think to execute an extension at this point, the extension that I, I don't know for a fact, but I'm willing to spend a lot of my life savings wagering okay. that Kyler Murray is going to want one of those top contracts. He's not taking a Tom Brady discount. He's going to want the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen extension. And if the way he played in that playoff game, I don't. I don't know if that's coming at this point. Not when you're the Cardinals, and he still has one year left on his deal. And in, I would think inevitably by the time we get to May, they will uh, uh, extend that fifth-year option, which they have. So in theory, they still have two more years of control over him before an extension. Now, we can talk all day about what that means and whether he starts getting upset because he doesn't have an extension and all that stuff. That's always a possibility when it comes to this kind of stuff. But um, I would think at this point it's wait and see because of of what happened. I mean, that's the reality of it, guys, right? I mean, Danny, you see what happens down the stretch. You see what happened in the playoff game. I would not be surprised if there's hesitation. I would agree with you 100%. I would feel the same way. Again, speculate, right? Not even, I don't even say speculation. I want to know my own opinion of, to me, yeah. it would make the most sense if you do anything this offseason. It would be pick up that fifth year. 
protect yourself another year before you decide if you want to or how much you want to do for a big extension on that front. And I think that too is is a great way to kind of light a fire under somebody of and, and they do that all the time, not just but with coaches too. And oh, yeah. and that that's I would agree. To me that seems fair based on the slide this year and the fact that that not being the first time you want to, you know, if you're going to pay someone to be a franchise quarterback, you want to be able to lead you through the tough times as well. I mean, this is what, I mean, you went through it. This is what Dallas went through with Dak Prescott is like, do we give him the big money? Do we give him the big money? Do we give him the big money? I mean, this was like a storyline for what, two years in Dallas? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Zeke too. I mean, different, not quarterback. We're yeah, talking well, big extensions, but yeah. But this team whiffed on David Johnson. They whiffed on Zeke. And and let's face it, we'll, uh, we'll, we will see what happens. But the Titans could find out very quickly that they whiffed on Derrick Henry, which is a fascinating big picture look at what running backs get, considering this team has two running backs. Mm-hmm. So. You know, Lamar Jackson is going to be going into his fifth year option. In 2022, Lamar Jackson does, he, does he not have an he extension? He does not yet? have a contract extension, which I find intriguing. Now, there's plenty of speculation that Team Lamar wants it absolutely this offseason, but he's yet to get it. And the way he finished up, and he wasn't healthy, obviously, and what does he still have to prove? Now, I linked Lamar and, and also Josh Allen to a small degree, and their playoff debuts were miserable, especially Lamar Jackson. His first ever playoff game was horrendous. Peyton Manning's first ever playoff game. Awful. So, you know. So was his third playoff game. Yeah. I looked that up. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, and we talked about this, you know, maybe there's something there and that Kyler can build some confidence off of that it's not the first time that a young quarterback in his playoff debut has obviously wilted big time in the spotlight on the big stage. But considering that performance, uh, leaving a bad taste in everyone's mouth, most especially the quarterback himself, you hope that'll fuel him and motivate him in the offseason. No, I don't expect him to get a contract extension throughout 2022, which will be his fourth year. And if he is a little peeved by that and it does become a motivating factor, all the better. Maybe yeah. th- maybe that's more ROI for the Arizona Cardinals and, and, and the team in general return on investment if Kyler Murray is playing for the next mega contract. And it's not automatically handed to him in a foregone conclusion. And if that's something that's a driving force, you know, so be it. Use it as a driving force. You know, I would go in that mindset of, okay, you guys want me to prove to you that I deserve. Okay, I'll go out on my best year. I'll prove to you why I deserve that. Great. Use it to your advantage. Well, and that's one of the reasons uh, it's not the it's not apples to apples, obviously. But that's one of the reasons I appreciated what Jordan Hicks did this year so much was, you know, obviously he wasn't playing for an extension as much as he was playing for a job and, and, and playing to prove himself, but he did. He he took, he took some disrespect. And I, one hundred. See, I don't. I the reason it's not apples to apples to me is to me at this point it's not disrespect. If Kyler doesn't quite get his extension yet, it's not like they don't see him as that guy. They're just not giving it to him yet. As opposed to if you're Jordan Hicks who signed his contract, then was asked to take a pay cut, then was told you weren't even going to play enough to make up some of the money with incentives, and he still had to fight his way in the field. So I think there was more going against Hicks. But like for him to handle it that way, I, I think it's a it's a good way. I mean, locally, uh, don't know how much uh, Suns you're watching these days, Danny. Uh, you're probably a big Mavericks fan, probably Luka Doncic, probably. Oh. Honestly, I'm not like a massive 
I'll watch NBA. I'm not a huge fan. Right, just checking. Goodness I'm gracious, just, that so, was. But obviously, <laughs> so, well, sometimes you're going to get attacked on this show, and you got to defend yourself, Danny. Um, Especially when it comes to the NBA. Yeah. And yeah. Apparently, you know, look Apparently. out. Yeah, you'll get earholed before you know it. But uh, but DeAndre Ayton's in that same boat, right, Paul? I mean, sure. Everybody assumed he was going to yeah. get this contract extension, well, and he didn't get it. And look, a quick word on that, and you can extrapolate it to any big name. Extrapolate. That's a good one. I'm writing that down. Number one <laughs> draft pick. But when that player's own team doesn't extend that player, that's telling. Because they have to have better knowledge of their own player than anyone. What do they know behind the scenes that we don't know or we don't see, we don't witness? They, If they're not investing in him, why not? Once upon a time, the Suns didn't invest in Amari Stoudemire. Five years, $100 million. And you know what? They were right. They were. They knew his knees better than Amari's agent did. And sure enough, he made it maybe a couple of seasons. He was never the same player he was. That's a good call. And so, you know, when the Suns make that call on their own player, well, okay. You better know your player better than anyone else because if he goes somewhere else and excels, I mean, look at Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray left the Arizona Diamondbacks and won a Cy Young the very next year. Ouch. I mean, that that is so painful that you couldn't get a guy right and the first the moment he goes to another team and he's the best pitcher in the American League so yeah, that's where that, that's where you have to self evaluate your own organization in, in my opinion when stuff like that happens yeah, when a player it. gets out gets away from you and excels somewhere else what does that say what does that mean and I also use that as a lead in to Kyla Murray you know, Lamar Jackson made adjustments. Obviously, Josh Allen. I mean, just ridiculous, the numbers. I mean, in his two playoff games, Josh Allen was 48-62 for 637 yards. He had nine touchdown passes, no picks, a passer rating of 149. And if you go back to his playoff debut, his passer rating was in the 60s. He had no touchdown passes. So, obviously, he has involved. He has improved mightily. So, what is on Kyler's checklist? this offseason how do you do that because that is the question I think that everyone is wondering is is Kyler capable of that I would like to be able to watch Kyler lead this team to an amazing comeback win Um, I thought that there were plenty of games where they came close but I feel like in those clutch moments it was obviously the interception which whether or not you want to put that all on Kyler or not um, penalties. I, I just feel like this team needs to be better. And maybe that's also mentally of counting themselves out of this team played so well when they had the lead. And I feel like they looked really different when they didn't. And I don't know if that was lack of confidence or feeling pressured or anything like that, but I would like to see Kyler lead this team to comeback wins or to elevate maybe some of those players who are stepping up, filling in if if somebody gets hurt, things of that nature. Um, Like Antoine Wesley, I feel like that was a couple games we saw him. I I feel like I would have liked to have seen maybe him help those players evolve a little more in those new roles. Um, And I I feel like that's all I can really speak. If I'm not in the locker room, I I don't know what kind of – like leadership intangibles are or aren't there, but at least on the field stuff, that's kind of what I want to see is more of that. Everyone has their own leadership style, but more of that – getting the team together, rallying them, believing in themselves until the very end of the game. That's at least what I would like to see more of. Yeah, A Kyla Murray who who wins despite the personnel. Doesn't matter what names yes. are out there. You're still finding a way to hit eight different receivers, 
Tom Brady won a game down the stretch in December with a game-winning touchdown pass to Cyril Grayson. Who? I, it just <laughs> unknown. So you, you'd love to see that. Now it happened in Dallas. He connected twice with Antoine Wesley, and, and that was great. But that also leads into my next observation, and it's merely an observation. I, I'm not about the X's and O's, but I do wonder, how is he against some of those defensive coverages he saw in the last month and a half? Dallas is primarily a man cover team. To my eyeball, an untrained eye, I, I see a lot of man cover teams that Kyler enjoys throwing against. It's the zone cover teams that rush four and drop seven, rush three and drop eight, and flood the field in a zone coverage. That's where he tends to hold on to the ball too long, which we saw a lot of in the final yeah. games of this season. Those are some of the things that then combined with the New York Times article, which obviously has gotten a lot of play, that quote about how he's not exactly – the most ardent film watcher. And so it, those are things that I would think correlate into and improve Kyla Murray in 2022. And I wonder if he's hearing some of that behind the scenes. And will he hear that from a different quarterback coach? I don't expect a change at head coach. I don't expect an OC to be brought in. I've done a number of these talk shows around town, and these are some of the value-added additions that people are giving free advice and how to improve the Cardinals. I don't expect any of those sort of changes. But I do wonder, especially if Colt McCoy doesn't come back, if there will be a veteran established quarterbacks coach that could come in, lend a different perspective and or voice to that room. I wonder. I feel when it comes to that, and I don't know anything about that either, I would I'm gonna doubt that. I would think that there's actually more chance to bring in an OC then bring in a different quarterbacks coach. They just promoted Cam Turner to that last year. He's got a good relationship with Kyler Murray, and I don't know if you're going to mess with that at this point. Now, I'm not saying if they brought in an OC, it would be some guy who's doing all the things Cliff is doing. I wouldn't think that. It would just be another body in that realm. Which they had once upon a time upon Cliff's hiring. Tom, who was the uh, the older uh, – Oh, Tom co- Clement. Tom Clement, right? Yeah. They had that position. They sort of just – he retired, and that yeah. position was never filled. No, it was never filled. So, I, you know, and I don't know – again, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if there's going to be any staff changes. I mean, you know, does Vance Joseph have a chance to be a head coach somewhere? Because obviously on the defensive side, that would obviously impact some stuff. But I, I just – I don't know if there's going to be those changes or how much of those changes Kyler or or is it is it something that's got to come within him to get to where he needs to be? Um, obviously, something is missing at this point when it comes to how he's going because I it doesn't make other a lot of I mean we could really put our finger on it at the end of 2020. I mean it was clearly he was banged up. And it was costing him stuff. And and I, I just, for all the things that I agree with, everything that you guys have said, there's also a small part of me that says, I, I think they've got to, they've got to figure out tangibly to me, this, the, the Kyler running thing uh, that really um, hit home in a certain way, the way Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes did it in their game. Now, 
both those two guys did it completely differently. And I was listening to some lo- local talk radio, and they're talking about, see, these guys are running all of the. Patrick Mahomes, the only running he did was literally off broken pass plays. Yeah. Orga- Everything was a scramble. Yeah, organic. It Just- was not nothing was planned. Now Josh Allen runs planned. I don't think you can do a lot of that truly with Kyler, but I think you need to invest. You investigated a little bit more than you did. You've got to find a happy medium. I, 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 judging by the things that Kyler has said, judging by how Cliff has said some things, I truly believe that the coaches wouldn't mind running him a little bit more. And I don't think Kyler wants anything to do with it because I think he knows he can get hurt. And I don't blame him for that, but I, I feel like we, there needs to be a happy medium about him running the ball and also slash, and I felt like we had gotten – past this uh by the end of his rookie year and it felt like it flared up at the end of the year the whole scrambling thing like he he slipped back this season later in the season of the whole running backwards and taking 10 yard sacks 12 yard sacks we saw that all over the place his first half of his rookie year and then he managed to wean it wean off of that and i'm like okay and then he went he got he's back to it and i'm like just fall down if you think you're going to get sacked take the two yard sack and move on or throw it away um i'll give you two quick thoughts on that number one what the cardinals did with colt mccoy in those three games a lot more of cold under center yeah a lot more quick passes i'd love to see more of kyler in that role not exclusively yeah but at least more to keep the defense honest give a different look in that regard. And then number two, if it's all about the quarterback, and it is all about the quarterback, uh, then can you put a value on making the quarterback comfortable and confident? And if that's the case, then isn't your most urgent offseason need bolstering the offensive line? When you're in a division with Aaron Donald, who single-handedly, you could argue, delivered two wins to the Rams against the Cardinals just based on what he did to Kyler Murray. The 15 quarterback pressures, the three sacks in week 14, and then in a playoff game, I personally think Kyler was still freaked out by looking at 99 lining up over some backup offensive lineman up front. And then you look at how did the Niners, to your point, Darren, beat Green Bay at Lambeau? Well, from what I saw, Nick Bosa had two sacks. Eric Armstead had two sacks. They made Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable much of that game. So you're in a pretty fierce division. Seattle beat the Cardinals in Week 18, how? With five sacks of Kyler Murray. They don't have any marquee pass rushers, the Seahawks, but they got to the quarterback. And so I I wonder if the Cardinals' most urgent need this offseason is an offensive line just to try and build the confidence and comfortability factor of the quarterback next year. I wonder of not only how the regular season ended, but just that one playoff game and how poorly this team played. Is that going to spark significant changes? Had it been a close playoff game, right, of Cardinals were in it to the last second. Because of how they lost paired with how the regular season ended, do you think there's going to be these changes we're talking about big, you know, try and completely change so things are different because of how they lost? Well, it's a valid question. It is. I, I, the thing about the offense, I agree with the offensive line. I do think he was uncomfortable. I, I feel like the Seahawks game was, I mean, to me, that was less about the pass rush and more about what you're saying about being uncomfortable against his own because that was the game I felt like the sacks were coming because he was holding the ball too much. A lot of coverage sacks. Okay. So I don't know how much that Fair enough. has to do it. But Fair enough. 
here's here's the deal. The last I saw, uh, OverTheCap.com had the Cardinals projected with not a ton of cap room. Now, again, you can work with that all day, okay? But right now, they've they're projected with I think he got projected with eight million dollars in cap space. Hmm. Not a lot, and that's with all these free agents. So, you know, the things you're you're benefiting from, you you got some guys that had really low cap numbers last year that are jumping significantly. In fact, you know what? I have it right here. D-Hop goes from 12.5 to 25. J.J. Watt goes from 5 to almost 16. Buddha goes from almost 8 to almost 15. And Rodney Hudson goes from essentially 3 to 12.5. Yeah. So you're eating up a lot of cap with those four guys that nothing's happening other than they're in the next year of their contract. Now, you can do stuff with those guys. You could extend J.J. Watt and lower his cap number. You could uh, you could do that with any of them. I don't I don't you got to be careful. Um, you know, one of the things I did notice was that their dead money next year is at this point pretty low. It's got to be one of the lowest numbers it's been in forever. But they've worked hard to get it that low, and it's going to climb back up again when some of these void years kick in and all this stuff. Rodney Hudson's one of those guys that has got void years, so when he's gone, he's going to have some dead money against the cap and all this stuff. So going back to your original question, Danny, the amount of significant changes, I I don't know how many significant changes there can be. Maybe not personnel-wise, though. Okay. I'm just talking about all these things we we were saying of maybe not even just offensive line, but of – under center or how oh, he's I see what you're saying. Like, like things. Is he like going to really revisit how they do things? Yes, that's my question. I mean, I I think it's fair, but this is a point that I've made a million times on this podcast with every coach that's ever been here. With every and and the the thing is this: I understand a certain level that you have to adjust to a certain level, but Cliff Kingsbury got hired. Because he did things a certain way, and he's gotten to this point in his career because he does things a certain way, there's only so much change that's going to happen. I don't know if he's changed significantly, but I can tell you that the first or second uh, year he was here, and uh, it probably was the first, maybe right after he got hired, he was doing his hour-long sit-down at the owners' meetings, and it was in town. So there was a lot of media there, and one of the questions was about shotgun. And Cliff, Cliff was probably more open in that session than he's been in anything else. But Cliff was Cliff was pretty clear about his philosophies. He doesn't he doesn't see the point of under center. Okay, somebody said he actually said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of, "I don't see what you can't do in a sh- in shotgun that you you would do under center." Like he doesn't he he thinks you can do everything in shotgun as you do under center. So I don't, I don't know, like, in that case, I know where Paul's coming from, and he's not the first to suggest it, and I actually agree with him in that regard, but I don't know if the coach sees it as a necessary thing. Um, you know, he's, he's evolved in some other ways. He's obviously used more two tight ends than he ever thought he was going to coming in. Um, but, again, some of it has to do with personnel. I, I, you talk about the offensive line. I think I, – I don't know what's going to happen with Christian Kirk. Uh, I think – I I think that maybe A.J. Green is on the fence, depending on who else they can get in here. But you can't be in a position if DeAndre Hopkins goes down and you're just flailing in terms of a playmaker on offense as a receiver. And I think that's where they were. 
you got to figure out what you want to do with Rondale Moore. If Rondale Moore is is going to be exactly what it was this year, you got to get a number two. I think you might need to get a number two otherwise. But if Kirk, Kirk leaves, is he your slot guy? Is he the new Christian Kirk? Uh, and then you need somebody to do that the, those different things. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of personal things that have to be decided in addition to how you execute, like you said, and I think they, they kind of go together. I need to see who their personnel is before I start thinking they could be doing stuff. I mean, if you don't have James Conner, I think you need you desperately need a big back. No doubt. You know, Wolf made a pretty compelling case in the most recent Big Red Rage that things started going south when the Cardinals lost Max Williams because yeah. Max Williams was a tight end who wasn't a tell. Max Williams could line up in a traditional tight end 11 personnel and you didn't know if it was run or pass then max williams had that ability to be an effective down blocker and and pave the way for james connor or chase edmonds he had also keep modest down the seam and catch touchdown passes which he did quite a bit before he went down and that i think there's a lot of validity to that and that's far- another position both zach Ertz and max williams are sure. free agents yep as far as rondell moore goes how can you not watch tyreek hill and think, man, why can't Rondell Moore be a poor man's Tyreek Hill? And when I say that, I mean just the way Kansas City deploys him, just the way they have him on these crossing routes, you know, I mean, significant chunk down the field throws, and they're targeting him, and, and they're taking some deep shots at Tyreek Hill, and just the separation he gets once the ball is in the air, and then when the ball is in his hands, if, if he has any space to work with, look out. And, and, and we know Rondell Moore has some of these skills. No one's Tyreek Hill, but you know Rondell Moore has some of these. And so I'd like when it comes to rethinking things in offense, they, uh, we can argue all day about under center shot going out. I, I'd love to see a different, more enhanced role for a, a Rondale Moore, who wasn't available obviously the last month plus of the season because of ankle injuries. And it turns out I think it was a lot worse than anyone let on. And you know maybe we would have seen a different Rondale Moore and a different offense, especially minus D Hop in December, that that we never did. Yeah, maybe that that's part of the reason was first half of the season when we had D Hop. Maybe there's no need to necessarily test out Rondale more in that role. And then when you lost E-Hop and Rondale was starting to get hurt, I mean, maybe it was just – I mean, I'm not disagreeing that that's not yep. a great idea, but yep. maybe that was just something that logistically they hadn't thought of. And then by the time the time came, or it was just want, not – Yeah, or they didn't want to put too much on his plate as a rookie. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, what do you make of the comments – from the owner of Michael Bidwell after the Super Bowl event, Darren. And this is via AZ Central when he said, anytime you see your direct competitors in the playoffs, it should bother any football fan. It certainly bothers this one, Well, um, among I, other comments. I, I, I'll, I'll just say uh, out of that old kerfluffle that uh, – That's a good word too. Thank you. Um, he got that from the Cardinals' trip to London back in 2017. <laughs> That's a big word over there, kerfuffle. I, I would uh, – Nobody should be surprised that Michael Bidwell is disappointed. And, and he used uh, that word, by the way. Disappointing yeah. for everybody, he said, for our players, for our coaches, certainly for our fans, certainly as a fan myself. It was very disappointing. We have high expectations. We need to play better. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he would have said frustrated uh, or upset. Um, I thought you were going to say a different F word, but go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> um, so, I mean, look, I, I think – I think we all kind of know where everything stands right now. It was a great year. did not end the way it needed to end on a lot of levels. Uh, the performance in the playoff game was disappointing, to say the least. And I, I think everybody's going to be feeling that for a while. But, I, again, I get to the offseason. You know, things change. And 
it's going to be a new season, just like I said earlier to Danny, how every season is unto itself. You, you need to build on certain things. Individual players can build on experience and that kind of stuff. But I, I'm not a big believer in momentum from year to year. I'm no. not a big believer. In, I mean, the teams are too different these days. Too much time's passed. Too much time's passed. Yet, again, yet again, this year, seven of the 14 playoff teams were different. Yeah. 50% of the playoff field changed out again. That's an annual occurrence. Right. So, I mean, I don't. I'm not a big believer in what ended up happening at the end of this season is going to have a huge impact on next season. It doesn't mean they won't have another poor finish. They've got to figure out the ways of of why this stuff is happening. But I I can't tell you what it's going to look like next year. I don't know. I mean, you start going around. We talk about the free agents. I don't know who the main pass rusher on this team is going to be. I don't know who the number one cornerback on this team is going to be. We can say Byron Murphy, but if they upgrade there, maybe he gets to go to number two and you're much better off there. I don't know who the inside linebackers are going to be. I don't know who the running backs are going to be. I don't know who beyond who's going to be beyond DeAndre Hopkins as a receiver. I don't know who the guards are going to be. I just I feel like until we know some of this stuff, it's it's hard to really get a feel over – what is happening now and how it could turn out later because well, there's just too much time that, that is going to pass. And if defensive coordinator Vance Joseph gets offered one. and yep. accepts one of these head coaching possible opportunities, who, who, who goes with him? That's a whole yeah. that's a whole other thing is not only – who, And who's your defensive coordinator? Right. What does this defense look like? I mean, think about last offseason, right? The most recent example – there was a lot of the same sentiment. Oh, the Cardinals lost five of the last seven. Oh, the Week 16 loss to the Niners at home and third-string quarterback C.J. Beathard, then the loss against John Wolford and the Rams. The playoffs were on the line and all this. Way. And then all of a sudden, boom, early early March before the league year opened, what happened? A tweet from J.J. Watt <laughs> in the squat rack wearing a Cardinals workout shirt. Said, like, source, me. And everything changed. Yeah. That everything changed, and then there was another signing and another move, and then all, and all, boom, and then the draft, and, 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 it, and it just all of it. The reset button was hit last offseason. So we're just waiting. It's just a matter of time. Things will happen. Things will change. The only constant as we wrap up this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Automation, is Larry Fitzgerald continues to win at life. Most recently named the uh, executive chairman of the Super Bowl 57 committee. Yet another title on Larry's resume. Uh, he's already on the board of directors, I think, for Dick's Sporting Goods and Probably. some other luminary spots there in the business world. So uh, Larry he'll, Fitzgerald. He'll be in L.A. for the Super Bowl to take the ceremonial handoff of the football. <laughs> oh, that's from the, right. From the L.A. host committee to the uh, Arizona host committee. It's like it's like the equivalent of in the Olympics of the flame, exactly. right? Right. The torch. They pass the torch literally in the Olympics, and then yeah, okay. So Larry will. Have I'm sure me. he'll stand up and say, "I have officially retired." Oh no! Mm-hmm. Then, nope. Nope. Even I've been here long enough to understand that joke, Darren. <laughs> you know what? We're just gonna have to say it for him. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think we're just gonna have to say it for him. And you know. Uh, Tough, tough, Larry. If we start sending out, oh, I don't know, retirement content on azcardinals.com and if, uh, you know some documentaries start going out about your career that a certain someone worked more than two months on has had to sit on forever. Others of us have worked on long-form 
written content about your career, Larry, that has yet to go out. Nobody can push the send button because we don't get it. You know what? Tough. It's just at some point, you know what? We're just going to make the determination for you. You should uh, put it out because everything on the Internet is true. I'm very I'm very uh, excited for uh, Fitz to hear this part of the podcast. <laughs> and then maybe just to spite us, he'll make a comeback. So, you know what? If, maybe th if that's... If that's the net result in a roundabout way of Larry returning for another, for another season, then yeah, then there you go. The catalyst was Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. <laughs>